Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. Uh, you, you you get the drill by now, unless you're new to the show. But if you're new to the show, you still probably understand what you're getting yourself into by uh, things that you read before you clicked on a podcast. You don't just stumble upon these things. It's Craft Beer Podcast. Uh, Cincinnati Craft Beer Podcast. We we journey around from tap room to tap room, from uh, brewery to brewery, and we uh, we talk about all things Cincinnati beer because it seems like every day. There is more to talk about in Sense of Beer. It just keeps growing and it keeps evolving and it keeps getting more and more exciting. So um, this is one that for some reason, well, there's multiple reasons and I'll, I'll get into that, but um, I've not done many shows with Tafts. We did um, one show uh, down at, uh, at, a, at a Bearcats game at a tailgate. <laughs> with a couple people from Taps, um, and then we did one here at the Bruporium, uh, probably, probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe two years ago, something like that. No, time doesn't make sense anymore after the last couple of years. It's been a while, it and is a blur. it is one of the four episodes of the Brewcast in the history of this show that have gotten lost for one reason or another, um, uh, be it uh, failed equipment, which was uh, the problem with that show. I had a corrupt memory card. Um, there was a show at Punch Out one year where I just forgot to hit record. <laughs> there was, uh, and there were, I don't remember what the other two, what the reasons were, but um, so the the one other Bruporium show, um, it it disappeared into the the ether because of uh, because of that stupid memory card. Um, so we're tasks. If you guys didn't figure that out by that long intro, <laughs> Dan Shadow, um, people know you uh from somewhere around town you've you've kind of bounced around a little bit uh sure. um you've been in cincinnati beer for a while since before it looked anything like it does today you started uh started at watson brothers right that was your first beer job in the in the city yeah uh started at watson brothers when i was 17 actually as a busser food runner and uh when our assistant brewer at Watson Brothers at the time uh, got a DUI, I ended up taking over for him and uh, never looked back. So uh, I was there the last five years of Watson Brothers until they closed. So that was probably the time that I um, was there for the first time because I, so I turned, I had to turn 21 in, had to be like 2000. Four, two thousand five, something like that. I'm terrible at math, so it was like it was at the end of that Watson Brothers reign, and as things were definitely changing in in the um, the beer scene, so it was one of my earliest experiences with a craft brewery, uh, a brew pub, um, and it it definitely changed my opinion of what beer was and what beer was supposed to be about. Um, you know when. When you're in college, when you're that age, there's a very specific type of drinking that all of your friends tend to do. And you walk in a place like that and all of a sudden things are just different and people are talking about beer differently. They're handling beer differently. It's all stuff that's normal now. Um, even I, I assume to kids in you know college or, or whenever you start drinking, uh, craft beer is a normal thing. Like I can, I, I picture kids stealing their craft beer out of their parents' fridge now at this point. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it wasn't the way it was then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which is great. I mean, but it's definitely the norm, you know, these days. 
Um, I can't imagine somebody turning 21 or starting to drink or whatever and turning to a light beer that's, you know, domestic or whatever, like with all this, <laughs> all this good stuff around to try and like culture there is to like uh, get a hold of, you know, so right. it's definitely more of an experience. Like if you're going to do it, let's do it. Um, something memorable, you know, it's going to be fun and kind of make it a hobby out of it. So um, hopefully that's the case. I, I hope so. I, I think that, uh, I think that the drinkers that are growing up today are going to be very different than all of us were, or even the generation before me or the generation, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's building different types of drinkers and a different relationship with uh, beer and with alcohol and with this culture of what craft beer is. So it's, it's going to be fun to see them grow up with that and what they, what they do with it then, you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of beer, uh, let's have a beer before we, uh, before we really dive in because it. it's a craft beer podcast. That's what we do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so this well, for you, I have a flight in front of me. Thank you for, uh, for bringing me some beer yeah. here. Um, you said this one was the Wu-Tang. Yeah. So, uh, kind of on that same breath, as far as, uh, like a lighter beer, uh, you know, if somebody's going to drink something lighter, go for a Pilsner, uh, lower alcohol, still got tons of flavor. Those are all, uh, New Zealand hops in there, uh, for oh, that. So that Pilsner. It's called Wu-Tang. Um, we've been brewing these, you know, Pilsners, like I said, for a uh, couple years, you know, a long time. Uh, brewers always love Pilsners, uh, all the different kind of things you can do with them. Um, you know, try out different hops, like on a pretty clean base. But, uh, yeah, this is one of the many uh, that we've done. And we're looking forward to, like, releasing some of these into the market, um, and you know, for small batch canned and stuff like that. So when you're listening to this, um, there should be some fun ones popping up on the shelf around you. You were telling me about uh, before we before we hit record. But um, it seems like, uh, again, going back to people's kind of relationship with beer, uh, obviously Pilsner is still technically the biggest beer style in the world if you call some of those those things actually pilsners but um it's a very different type of beer and i think that craft beer kind of shied away from that for a long time and was um i don't know if people were afraid to dabble in it because they didn't want to uh to be associated with big beer and this this macro thing uh or if it was a, a skill issue for a lot of those breweries in that, that, that era. Um, but you didn't see a lot of craft pilsners for a really long time. And then now things are starting to change a lot where, uh, especially, you know, a place like Cincinnati, you walk in anywhere and there's going to be some kind of lager on tap. Probably light lager is going to exist. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think it is like a, was it a fear for, for places or was there something else going on there that people weren't making it? Um, as far as their popularity in general, I yeah. mean, I think that, you know, once you start hitting that craft beer, obviously you're like, all right, what's the biggest, boldest flavor I can get? Like what it really is there out there. Um, you know, and like at some point you just get to the you know spot where you're like, well, I've tried a million different IPAs and they all kind of taste, you know, similar in one way you kind of get used to your hops and all that stuff and then you get try all the stouts and you know you drink all those and stuff and there's time and place for every beer but like when right. it comes down to it like if you're just drinking you know throughout the week or you know whatever you're doing like happy hour with some friends like you want something a little bit lower lower alcohol and um really appreciate kind of like those flavors and being able to have like a handful of beers with your friends you know and like you know make that you know what it is so you think it's more of like an evolution of drinkers than it is an evolution of breweries to to make them yeah yeah i think it's uh i think that the drinkers certainly you know throw a lot of the demand out there for certain styles so um you know as pilsners and stuff get really popular in tap rooms because people want you to come in have a few beers and right. like 
you know, laugh with your friends and not, uh, you know, have to worry about driving or whatever um, so much. And, you know, just have some beers and relax and, and drink them up. Like, there's definitely more of a demand for it. And then, obviously, you can take it as far as just, like, brewing all kinds of different, you know, pilsners, different hot profiles and play around with it. Um, I think it's pretty exciting. But, right. like, you can really experiment, you know, as a drinker with some different flavors without having to worry about, again, the high alcohol and um, whatever That's- else that comes with it. As somebody who likes to drink and somebody who likes to hang out at places that aren't necessarily where I have screaming kids running around me, my screaming kids running around me, um, I like to go to bars, I like to go to breweries, I like to go out and have a drink. There's nothing more frustrating to me than walking into a place, sitting down and looking at that tap list and seeing everything be you know, seven, eight percent or higher. I'm like, oh, great. So it's a, it's a one, maybe a two beer night now because... Uh, I, I, there's no way that I'm getting home safely if I, if I yep. drink more than that. And uh, you know, that as somebody who wants to spend time, it's not, it's not, I want to go there and I want to consume X amount of alcohol and then go home. I want to spend time there. I want to, I want to, I want to be in that experience. And, um, those lighter beers enable me to do more of that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one's great. I, I already finished the sample. As you can see, I, I love it. <laughs> but I, I do like those lighter beers. I like that. I like those brighter kind of flavors. Um, not that I don't love a, a big uh, giant IPA. And you guys have some really great ones here too. But uh, I, those those lighter styles, I just I keep flocking to them for some reason. I, I don't understand why. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you you spend some time at Watson Brothers, uh, I guess, fall in love with the craft beer industry at that point. What was what was then the craft beer industry? Um, went off and did some other stuff for a while. Uh, then when this world kind of starts exploding again, you get back into craft beer. Is that am I right here? Yeah. So after uh, Watson Brothers closed, I just kind of bounced around some restaurants for a little bit. Um, went to school, um, you know, just for hospitality, restaurant management, stuff like that, uh, background, like culinary, right. Um, raised kid early. Um, so just really busy. Um, always kind of wanted to get back into beer at some point. Um, but, um, I was in restaurants and then, uh, ended up managing a, uh, tobacco and logistics company actually for about five years. Uh, that whole time, That's pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Had, you know, totally different, um, you know, having kids uh, young or whatever, so I was in restaurants and right. things were a little bit uh, unstable paycheck kind of thing, you know. And, uh, yeah, went did that for about five years. And uh, the whole time just kind of kept in touch with uh, my buddy Toby that uh, I was with Watson Brothers with. Um, he was my boss, uh, the you know, head brewer there. Um, just about, like, kind of developing, like, business plans and stuff like right. that and um, looking at breweries. Uh, you know, which is really interesting uh, because there was, like, nothing for – Quite a while, right? Obviously, Mount Carmel was right there, um, pretty or very early on, and then uh, Rivertown and stuff like that. But there wasn't really a huge demand until, um, obviously, the laws changed right. uh, with the tap rooms to be able to sell beer across the bar without uh, selling food. So obviously, we got the huge explosion. But I uh, was at the logistics company, and then I uh, went back to restaurants for a bit and um, got in touch with the Mad Tree guys and uh, knew that I wanted to be back in beer in some fashion. And uh, now we're here. So <laughs> I, I can't imagine though. Like you've been, you you know, you've spent this time. You're you're building this career. You have, like you said, you you're raising a family. You're starting all of this, and then here's this startup brewery. And like you know what? I I'm gonna go work for them. <laughs> like I, you know, we we look at it now, and sure. and, and clearly, uh, 
these breweries, you know, especially that 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 core group of those those bigger ones, um, it's it's a great place to work. At that time, nobody knew what was going to happen with it. It was it was a silly idea yeah, to yeah. start a brewery like that in Cincinnati because it doesn't exist yet. Yeah, um, it was a huge risk, uh, you know, on my end and obviously on any, anybody's end. Uh, but it was it was one worth taking. <laughs> it was clearly one worth taking. Uh, uh, so, long story short, you end up here at Taft's, yep. and uh, Taft's is a very very interesting uh, brewery, and we'll kind of we'll dive through some of that, but. Uh, Taft started 2016, is that right? 2015? Uh, I believe 2014. 20, 2014. Um, uh, and starts an OTR in the church. If anybody has not been down to the Taft's Ale House, um, you're missing out on uh, a huge piece of Cincinnati's craft beer puzzle. This, this I'm going to say the most beautiful brewery in town. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that other people might disagree with me, but I can't imagine why. <laughs> um, you know, lots of Rookwood tile, this historic rebuilt church that was at one time set to be demolished. They saved the building and turn it into this just gorgeous um, cathedral of beer. Uh, the brewery keeps growing, as most of them tend to do. Eventually opens up Taft's. The Bruporium here in Spring Grove Village, um, which I'd never heard of it called Spring Grove Village until you guys moved in here. <laughs> uh, and this is the production facility. This is um, a different kind of look for food. So down in OTR, you've got uh, tri-tip sandwiches, this uh, uh, kind of um, sit-down dinner kind of atmosphere. Whereas here, this is way more tap room. You get this New Haven style pizza, which is Still some of my favorite pizza that you can get in the city. Uh, just a very different type of personality of Taft's. Um, talk about that evolution a little bit uh, from your perspective for a brewery of how you how you manage that growth without without losing the core of what makes the place what it is. Sure. So that's uh, it's a big question. It is for a very sure. big question. <laughs> uh, it's a big question, but... I'll say for Taft's, uh, you know, the tap room, uh, the ale house, you know, obviously that started up is uh, gorgeous. Appreciate that. Obviously, it's uh, it, it definitely is. Always strive to make extremely good beers. Um, and there's definitely a huge growth that happened in Cincinnati, like when that was, you know, when that was launched. And um, ownership knew that they wanted to open up a larger facility for production. Right. Um, so that's where Spring Grove comes into play. Uh, so I heard it. Uh, mentioned uh, as our BrowCon that we brew on, 50-barrel BrowCon, uh, great system. It's kind of like driving a Ferrari in downtown Cincinnati <laughs> uh, because, you know, it's a piece of a system. Uh, a 50-barrel batch of anything is a ton of product, uh, regardless of what it is. And uh, Taft's was still growing at the time. So, you know, we're in Cincinnati, dabbling in Columbus, Cleveland, et cetera. Uh, down in Kentucky as well. And then, you know, we're kind of ramping up, right? That's and tw then 2017 is when it opened here to kind of give people a perspective on when when all this was happening. Yeah, and so uh, kind of growing into the system at that point. And then uh, obviously COVID hit, you know, after a couple of years of being open as a production facility, um, which grinded everything to a halt, you know, everybody. Um, obviously pivot to packaging uh, more so. And uh, try to figure out that whole dance. But uh, something that Taft's did in uh, growing into this facility is 
started the impact side of TAF. So it's the contract brewing, uh, contract services side. So uh, that's what's really been driving our growth here. And uh, we've got a ton of experience uh, as far as the production team, um, you know, quality and all that stuff. So it just made sense to pivot to making products for other people that obviously uh, we've got experience doing and we can help fill our tanks and help other companies grow at the same time. So um, it's been interesting to see um, as far as the uh, ownership goes, it's always about, you know, uh, how can we help this company grow and its staff grow, obviously, and then how are we going to make the best decisions with our investments? So um, Impact started, I would say, about a year and a half ago. Um, And I came on almost a year now, so I'm in my 12th month. And um, since I started, it's been nothing but uh, ridiculous growth. Um, well, it's just been intense. So. It's interesting for me on like the geeky beer nerd side of it because, you know, obviously around town people know that there are places that are contracting here, even here in town, but nobody really talks about it too much. There's contracts in place. People people don't talk about contract brewing a lot, um, but people know that it's happening. But then. Like there's this whole other side of places outside of Cincinnati too that are coming here to uh, to have things produced and like I see some of that with label approvals and stuff like that and um, it it definitely start seeing more and more and more and lots of different types of yeah. products and different things and I feel like you know the average person doesn't get to see that side of growth from Taft's because of that like it's it's easy to see Rheingeist grow because Rheingeist grows and it's very loud and it's very big and it's in your face. Whereas this is kind of behind the scenes, even the way this tap room is set up, you don't even see, you know, the, the, the brewery at all. It's, it's kind of hidden away. People don't realize how big it is and how, 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 how nice it is. (laughs) Like they don't, they don't get to see some of that. So it's like the growth is not as, uh, as noticeable for drinkers as it is with some other places. Yeah. And so, it's a challenging world uh, when you get into that uh, because so for myself being in the position I'm in, so I do all the sales and planning production management and stuff like that um, inside sales management. So I'm seeing it from, you know, the customer side also through production side and um, also do the brand management for TAFs. So I'm looking to obviously grow the TAFs brand um, in a obviously difficult market as craft beer always is. Um, so trying to be innovative on that front and, uh, the, you know, the brewers production team, all of us, that's our, in our blood, obviously is the Taft's brand. It's our, uh, you know, it's our biggest brand. It's our, it's, it's the best thing that, you know, we have and, um, trying to balance that with also being able to give that experience to other right. brewers that, uh, you know, want to grow their brand and sustain their growth without maybe putting in a big investment into their own right. uh, facilities at that time. So, uh, seeing it from, you know, the demand coming in from the customer and all the way through to like what that brings, uh, you know, their company and the growth that they get, you know, off of us being able to do that and the craft that happens with the brewers uh, from the contract brewer and also to the customer uh, is like so much detail and um, making sure that the beers are coming out, you know, as close and accurate as you can for uh, a regional brewery for us to produce that to them. Like just make sure that the beers are the same and you're talking their numbers and just making sure it's all on the up and up. And it's, it's a great um, tool for a lot of people. And um, what's interesting too, is like we're getting into a lot of the mix and go kind of thing, like RTD beverages. Right. 
Um, so, you know, and it's not all RTD, but it's also, um, you know, like lemonades, non-alcoholic stuff like that. So you see all these companies uh, that need product made that don't necessarily have facilities for themselves uh, that are growing brands and, you know, creating jobs and, and making these really cool companies and uh, building their, you know, you know, their, their footprint uh, and being able to help them out and produce their product for them right. and, and, and collaborate with them is really fun. Well, it's so, gotta be fun seeing some of those products come in, get the experience of trying to make those products and, 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 and what that means. Um, and then use that to kind of help build what TAFS is too, of like, you know, that's, that's an interesting idea. Let's, let's watch them and see what happens with this and see how this goes and kind of see how the market reacts to it. And like, all right, well, you know, clearly, you know, we, we know that we can do that. Maybe we kind of integrated into to, to who we are too. And that's exactly right. Cause we look at how we're going to be innovative in the future and, um, you know, keep up with trends obviously, you know, um, and, you know, just get a piece of all the pie and uh, we've got a lot of experience with these flavors and we're getting more and more interested in, you know, producing like a, uh, you know, like a bourbon product or, sure. a, or a, you know, some sort of a vodka, you know, product. It, possibilities are obviously endless. Right. And the more experience that we have and the more, uh, you know, contact we've got with these different companies and see how those things work, like the more that we want to produce our own products uh, and I'm, flavors that we can put out there for people to try. I'm fascinated by the non-alcoholic beer market so much because I still haven't tried one that I really enjoyed that much, but I know it has to be possible. Like I know that it's there and we're just, we're so close to it. And so I'm, 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 I'm dying to see that start growing within, uh, within Cincinnati here and, and see more of those products made. So, um, it's exciting to see some of that growth in different, uh, Different product segments, I guess. I mean, to me, you know, to, to make a, a bourbon lemonade canned cocktail kind of thing is is can't be that that difficult to come up with that that make it taste good. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, you see some you see some products come in with five ingredients and some with ten. There's right. definitely a difference in that. Right. But, uh, uh, yeah, you'd be surprised. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's very interesting to me, and I, I again, it's. I, I I wish that the people that came into the tap room here got to see some of those other sides of what is happening here and got to kind of experience that. But um, then that does uh, change their experience with TAFs and TAFs is its own thing. It's uh, it's there's not a lot of places here in town that are kind of um, juggling those two sides of who they are as a company. Um, it's it's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been really fun to watch and uh, really really cool to be a part of and see how it all works. So speaking of of just contract brewing in general, where do you think its role in craft beer today is? Because I, from from what I can tell, it's a much bigger part of what's happening. And and I guess COVID is the 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 biggest reason for that. People are terrified to uh, to spend money to expand their breweries. Um, there are breweries that have some extra space that need to do something with it. Like it's just the perfect storm to let contract brewing become its its thing that it is right now but uh, we've seen it for a long time you know that's how sam adams ended up here in cincinnati aside from the fact that he grew up here but you know hudipole shaneling was the place that was contract brewing their beer um and i think that people had a very strange reaction to it at that time whereas now um i don't know that they do but um yeah no i think that kind of being ahead of it 
Um, obviously, with uh, you know doing the contract stuff, I think it's important that you know we at any any brewer in the city shares its experience and how to grow and how to utilize tank space and stuff like that. It's all education, right? right. So, uh, you know, we're on our trajectory and uh, doing what we're doing. And I think that other people are obviously going to um, try to utilize their tanks and, and grow their companies the best way that they possibly can. So if that's the case, then uh, we're certainly looking to help people grow with that, right? Do you think And it- uh, share the experience and, and just try to make sure that our friends and our, you know, the people that are in our backyard are making the right decisions too so we can grow as a whole. Do you think it changes the way people grow a business or even start a business or, you know, speaking of craft beer, you know, like it may not make the same sense that it used to, to go in and build a giant production facility. If you are a newer brewery, it may make sense to contract brew for a very long time to kind of wait and kind of let yourself settle into a market before you start to build your own space to, to do that. Um, I just, I, I don't know if like it's a, if it's a thing that is, changing the way breweries start or not to start, but grow. Sure. I mean, it's certainly way different to start a brewery now uh, than it was even five years ago. I'm sure. Right. Uh, Because the big, you know, the growth curve on, you know, expanding outside of your own territory and stuff like that is probably going to be way smaller. Um, there's just so much more, so many more breweries out there. It's all hyper local, right, and tap room based, and right. um, that's certainly where you know I think the growth is. I mean, I think there's tons of room for you know brew pubs and smaller breweries and things like that. But um, certainly, if I'm you know a smaller brewery in Cincinnati, if I just started out, um, wouldn't want to expand outside of you know the right. the home market until you know I'm ready. But um, you know, doing a contract brewing scenario is going to be a way to test different markets without having to put all that money into your, into your company. So right. uh, I think that that's definitely going to be a conversation that a lot of people are going to have, but um, definitely think that, you know, a smaller brew pub type brewery is going to be, you know, something that we're right. going to see more often, you know, at this point, rather than breweries looking to grow. Well, I think that's what everybody wants to see too from the from the drinker side of things even when you Absolutely. when you look at tafts like it's what people like about even this space here is not the fact that there's this massive brewery behind that door right there it's the fact that they can come sit in here and it's, it's still a bar and it's still you can have pizza it's not a it's not a, i mean it's a good sized tap room but it doesn't feel like this big giant kind of production facility it still feels like a small tap room that is comfortable and um that thing that you fell in love with about craft beer in the first place. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's drink another beer before sure. we, we dive back into the Taft side of things. Uh, what is this one here? So that's extra, extra splendiferous. It's, uh, it's an extra pale ale seasonal, uh, that we did. It's got Eldorado, Eldorado hops. Um, it's easy drinking 6%. So it's a little bit more on the earthy side, which is nice. Oh, yeah. uh, it's definitely got some, Nice hop character too. Uh, it's got some strata in there as well, and um, yeah, it's just easy kind of pale ale, uh, a little bit higher, you know, six percent rather than like a five. But uh, right. yeah, yeah, it doesn't it's uh, good it early spring beer doesn't doesn't blow your palate out and uh, um, you know ruin your evening. Like you can still keep drinking other things, and it's still uh, <laughs> you know it doesn't it doesn't ruin it for you. Absolutely, um, it's a great beer. Uh, pale ales, I uh, feel like have lost kind of their spotlight that they probably deserve in the craft beer world 
Um, you know, these big giant IPAs take over the big, you know, sour stuff that all that stuff is, um, uh, maybe more fun for people to, to talk about and to, um, to, to see on a tap list, but like a good, just middle of the road pale. I mean, we've seen it with Sierra Nevada, although I think hazy little thing passed up Sierra Nevada pale oil as far as sales just recently. And <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but, um, you know, it, it's such an important piece of uh, people's growth, I think, with craft beer too. You know, it's um, as you're finding your way into the hoppy side of things, you have to have something that uh, uh, is a little more approachable than some of those bigger ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I think it's, it's in the same conversation as like you know people going to like a, a pilsner or something like that. You know, it's like, can I just get a pale ale? Right. Just, right. I want just some give hops, me a beer. But I, just, I still want a, a beer. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Tafts and kind of the growth of the Tafts side of, of everything. Um, obviously, COVID is has been strange. And um, before COVID, we, we, you know, we saw uh, the Columbus, Columbus Reporium open up and we started to see this idea of uh, these multiple tap rooms uh, using the Tafts brand and how how that might be able to expand uh, long-term. There are other places that we've seen kind of uh, that starts to dabble with that. And then COVID hits and uh, the, the world changes. Um, what is the future of Tafts going forward from here? How do you, how do you grow that Tafts brand? Um, knowing that at any moment, the world can just explode. <laughs> so true. Um, yeah. So, Hopefully I mean, we're on our way out the, of what things have been for the last couple of years. <laughs> I would say that the, uh, you know, the craft beer side of Tafts is uh, really just looking to grow its footprint still again in Cincinnati and Kentucky and just like continue to grow um, our home base and our drink, our drinker base and try to be innovative and just capture, you know, you know, the people in Cincinnati with some like really good beers um, and just grow and, you know, organically where we're at. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a, a territory thing right. um, with the craft beer side of uh, Tafts, but, um, you know, as you've got, you know, different products, uh, Tafts products, maybe different Tafts brands uh, that, you know, branch off of that, um, there could be growth where the demand is at, Right. you know? So if you're talking like RTDs, um, seltzers, even just like regular waters, lemonades and stuff like that, I mean, there's obviously demand all over the place. So if you've got a innovative idea and like a good brand and uh you know we're always looking at different things and trying to grow our different brands internally it's like uh let's you know where the sales are at you're gonna go uh for sure but i think it's all just based on like what do we what do we want to do what do we want to make and where can we put it so if you if, if you know if there's like a task brand that's not necessarily craft beer maybe it's right. a different uh different segment or whatever then well, you might see that you know venture outside of ohio and uh you know maybe go down to florida stuff like that so it's just who you've, knows? you've mentioned drinks that necess that aren't necessarily alcoholic a couple times, you know, like some kind of lemonade or things like that. Um, I think that is something that is really missing within the Cincinnati craft beer community right now. Like I drink a whole bunch of that bubbly stuff from Pepsi and drink it because it doesn't have alcohol and I want to drink something during the day. Yeah. And I would much rather be drinking something like that from a craft brewery here in Cincinnati and get nobody's really making that for you. So Warpoint has root beer. 
I was just but thinking gotta, about warped wing and uh, that root beer in my fridge. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it still is not as easy for to get a hold of because you know they're still kind of working their way into you know the Cincinnati market with stuff like that. And um, yeah, it, it, that's that's an interesting point. I would, you know, that you see that what is that liquid death stuff that's uh, out there now? It's a craft beer marketing behind a. Uh, water and sparkling yeah, but it, water. it murders your thirst and now in three different flavors. So I'm pumped about them. I saw that stuff like a while ago at um, D20 up in Dayton. Uh, you're familiar with that place. It's a board, go- uh, board game bar. It's an awesome spot. Um, but they always had liquid death and right. probably still do. Uh, six ounce cans of water. It's the first time I ever saw it, but they sell it like crazy, you <laughs> know. And well, then they finally uh, came out with like three different flavors now. So yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. It, it's fascinating the... <laughs> the the marketing behind that versus all the other sparkling waters there it's like it's pe- clear that people want to drink that over something else and like you got nobody nobody's investing the the, the time or uh, effort into it right now um i hope that that hope that, that happens more yeah absolutely <laughs> like, can't be that hard to make a product like that you're just carbonating some water <laughs> Or, or not carbonating it. <laughs> that's that's the thing. But like you know, some of these brands, you know, around Cincinnati, will you know, you know Taft's, your uh, your your Mad Tree, your Ryan Geist, any of those brands. Like you would think that there are people that already have like such a relationship with that brand that it would be easy to convert them into um, giving up whatever their their fizzy water during the day is to something that is branded with those. But who knows? I who knows? totally agree. <laughs> Who knows? I, I would give up mine. Um, <laughs> so you guys announced plans for a, uh, a tap room in Madisonville a, 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 with the food hall. It's kind of, a, a, again, a very different type of personality than, than what we've seen already from the, uh, the current locations here in town. Um, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, kind of refocusing back into Cincinnati and kind of growing that personality here in that, uh, that market share here. Um, how does that factor into that? What does that look like in the bigger Taft's picture? Uh, just talk about, talk about Madisonville a little bit. Sure. So uh, there's a relationship that, you know, stem there from uh, one of our ownership. And um, I just know that we are, uh, you know, they're building out a nice little spot down there at, um, at MedPace and uh, it's going to be pretty cool. So uh, I know that they've got a tap room. It's going to be, Taft's beers, uh, but then I believe that we're going to be putting on some uh, additional beers as well, local stuff. stuff. Yeah, like local stuff uh, as far as that goes. They're going to handle all the food, um, and we'll handle all the beer, and it'll be a nice little tap room. And they've got a ton of staff right there, and there's a hotel right there, uh, Summit, uh, which is nice too. So, yeah, I know that there's available space at that point, and, um, you know, ownership took advantage of that and, and, and moved forward with it. So we're looking forward to being able to obviously get to get to more people, um, you know, because that's a different, you know, demographic or, you know, part of the town that we have really no, uh, you know, any bases touched, you know, so. Well, it's just, it provides a different experience too from everything else that right now is Taft's. You know, if you go to the ale house, it's this very specific type of experience. It's a, you're sitting down, you're eating some food. It's a more of a dinner kind of thing. You come here and it's, it's a tap room. You come in here and you're, you're grabbing some pizza, but you're sitting in a tap room or playing some shuffleboard or whatever it may be. Whereas that I think is going to be more, um, uh, beer gardeny kind of atmosphere of, uh, uh yeah, like real open uh, air, you know, lots of windows and, and, um, 
Yeah, just kind of a relaxing spot. Yeah, it's I. I talk to a lot of people. Always ask me, you know, what's your favorite brewery and things like that. And it's the answer is always that it's going to be very different depending on what type of um, what type of situation I'm in, who I'm with, what kind of experience I'm looking for. And uh, I think that going forward, in my opinion, the more that breweries can figure out how to create different experiences for people while they're drinking their beer, uh, the better off they'll be. And that's, that's a hard thing to do sometimes. And something that I think trips a lot of places up, they try to replicate the same tap room over and over, not realizing that they're still missing out on this other segment of what people are looking for from, from that brand. And, um, so far Taft's is doing a really good job of creating very different experiences with each of those spaces. So I'm excited to see how it, how it turns out. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, definitely a work in progress coming up soon though, but uh, looking forward to how it all, how it all comes together. Uh, kind of looking bigger picture to craft beer in general. Um, and we'll say Cincinnati, this is a question that I tend to always ask. Uh, what are the things right now that get you excited about Cincinnati craft beer? And what are the, some of the things that kind of uh, maybe make you a little leery of what's happening in, in craft beer? Sure. Uh, that's definitely interesting. I think that really when it comes down to those new tap rooms and things, I think that's really exciting. Um, because, you know, you've got, like you said, your, your, your brands have been around and like try to open up some additional spots. So like, uh, getting warped wing down in uh, Mason, which is close to me is really yeah. cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to that because there's definitely more tangible to me. Uh, I want to go there and drink the beers and, and try the food and stuff like that. Been up to Springboro a couple of times uh, yeah. to check them out and obviously to their original spot a few times, but it's certainly not something I'm traveling to all the time. So getting to experience that more, uh, is really cool. But, um, Again, like that kind of transfer of like uh, a brand. So Little Fish coming to Dayton is also really exciting. So I'm going to travel up there. It's definitely closer than right. traveling out to Athens, stuff like that. Then you've got like Mad Tree opening up Alcote, which is going to be really nice uh, to check out and try their beers down there in a different setting and see what different like unique things that they come up with. Um, and just, yeah, just seeing these uh, brands just kind of expand within their home market right. and uh, come up with some different unique ideas and some different beverages and just see how everybody just you know, maneuvers through all of this, uh, growth or, or, or not growth, uh, you know, and just like trying to level out and see what everything's going on with, with Cincinnati and, you know, where the market leads them. So, right. Is there anything that makes you maybe not excited about where things are going right now? You know, honestly, I can't even think of anything that makes me not excited <laughs> about it. Um, you know, anything that I've tried recently, like I haven't really been out to try a bunch of different beers and stuff like that, but it's all been, it's all been good beers and quality stuff. And I, I don't see anything wrong with anything that's happening right now in Cincinnati beer well, for Ronnie, sure. I feel like seltzer is finally leveling out and we're realizing that's just a part of this bigger picture. That was always the answer from everybody for all the seltzer. Seltzer's terrifying. <laughs> Whereas now it's a drink, whatever you want. It's terrifying. You don't have to drink the seltzer. Just, <laughs> just block that out. It's, it's, I, I'm interested watching what people are drinking and trying to understand why they're drinking what, what it is that they are. You know, there are some people that are flocking towards seltzers or RTDs or something because they think it's healthy. There's some people that do it because they need to sit there and hold that can and just, you know, kind of walk around there with this can, yeah. you know, facing out for everybody to see what they're drinking. It's, uh, it's interesting to me. <laughs> it's the best when you see somebody with like a craft beer in one hand, a Mick Ultra, and then a seltzer in the left hand. <laughs> 
because <laughs> uh, those slim cans are really easy to hold. So right. you can get three beers or three alcoholic beverages in just two hands now, which is super cool. <laughs> it's something that we missed out after people stopped uh, bottling everything where you could you know hold those bottles all by the neck. And <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, let's drink another beer. Uh, this one looks a little hazy. Uh, so that's Cuvée. That's uh, fourth fourth year that we've done the Cuvée. It's a uh, New Year's tradition uh, here at Taft's. So it's got orange and lemon. Uh, it's a little bit sweet on the sweet side. It's really nice. Uh, good taste in beer. Something a little bit different for the Taft's. Oh, yeah. Um, you guys do that for New Year's? Yeah, yeah. Fourth like year this, now. So. I feel like this should be like a summertime thing, like sitting out in the sunshine. Um, this is good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's good. Um you know, the the guys here are just an incredible like, the, uh, background experience that they've got with, like, different beers and how many beers we've brewed um, over and over again and, like, really try to hone in on some of those things that we're really passionate about, like like that beer, you know, something we do every year, try to make it as best we possibly can. And it's just really fun to see what comes out, you know, from the taps, tap room. Like, uh, Patrick Down at the Ale House is always brewing, um, like, all the – more of the tap room beers, you know, the right. things that go to – uh, just on taps, not out in the market. And it's always really cool to like try those different beers out because they're always fantastic. How does that, how does the the brewing break down between the two different locations? So there's what, 10 barrel system down at the alehouse. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, 10 barrel system. Uh, normally, you know, do like 20 barrel batches out of it. Right. And um, all the tap room beers uh, come out of there. So anywhere you're going to see beers in Columbus or Madisonville when it opens up here at uh, Reporium and down at alehouse coming straight from. Ale house, and then anything that you see out in the market gotcha. is brewed over here at uh, at the uh, Brewporium. Um, so, are we ever going to see any kind of brewing happen up in Columbus? That's certainly the goal. <laughs> uh, that is certainly the goal. So that Columbus uh, opened up right before COVID was, hit too, or you know, I think it's the same timing. week. So um, that's you know getting geared up. Uh, it's been open again for uh, quite some time, doing really well, and. Seeing really good numbers up there, uh, which is cool. It's definitely catching on. Absolutely is. Uh, It's kind of a similar scenario to like MedPace where there's a lot of built-in business because uh, we're just under gravity. And uh, there's a ton of really good breweries around there too uh, within a few blocks. So we're we're looking forward to uh, kind of our growth and, you know, how that's going on up there. And then obviously getting some beers brewed up there and and dabble in that. (laughs) I think that – well, and I I don't know that it's as important now as it – maybe was before but like it seemed like it was a very important thing for people at one point to when they walk into a tap room they want to see stainless they want to see where the beer is being made they want to they want to have that connection to it there mm-hmm. and i don't know that that is i don't know that that's the same now as it was and i don't know if that's i don't know if that's just happened like in that time frame of when COVID happened (laughs) and now, or if it was already kind of happening before that, but I've definitely noticed a difference between, you know, pre COVID and and now of how people feel about that relationship with where the beer is being made. Sure. And it could just be, you know, more and more people get into craft beer in general. So uh, if you've got a hundred people now that um, are drinking craft beer and 80 of them don't care where it's made, they just want to get some hops and, you know, whatever, make sure it's fresh, then they'll go wherever. And then you got your other 20 that are, you know, still diving into the place where they can still smell where they're uh, making the beer at. Oh, that and, smell. Oh, yeah. I talk to it. the guy that just walked out of the back to grab a drink of water, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's, what's kind of fun with it. You know, it's kind of all over the place. Like everybody's got a conversation in craft beer, uh, whether you've been drinking it for a month or you've been drinking it for 10 years, like 
You're always going to cross paths, talk about it. It's always a good time. Good thing to talk about. Yeah. It's it. You talk about, you know, that guy walking from the back to get a drink of water or something like there is something like the, as, as places grow and evolve and you get new, new tap rooms, new spaces, new things that new, new visions around that brand. There is like, there is something that me as a craft beer nut, like if I walk in and like, I'm sitting in a bar and you see somebody walk out there, they got their boots on or something like it just, it feels, I don't, even if I don't need to have a conversation, like it just, it feels, feels different than the space that yep. um, is a, uh, is restaurant. And that's it. you know, like it's, I totally uh, agree. It's uh, one of the biggest struggles I think with growing breweries uh, is just like trying to keep that, that culture, that, uh, you know, that hands-on kind of, you know, feel with, you know, with your customers. So, well, it's, it, it, it takes a lot of kind of introspection to figure out how people what people's relationship with your brand is what people's relationship with your your beer is like why why are people here versus the place that's down the street like what is it about you that makes this special for them then embracing that and and growing off of that like it's it's a tough thing to do that absolutely is (laughs) it's it's very tough you can you can can definitely make a list of the places that have done it well and the places that have done it not so well (laughs) Uh, let's uh, let's drink this last beer. Mm. Uh, this one is dark. Yeah, so it's uh, stay classy. It's oh, a yeah. porter, straight up porter. So, like we were talking about with the pale ales, this is just classic style. We were talking about uh, what we we're going to make in the winter for last winter, and uh, what you know what beer we're going to come out with. And I'm just like, let's just make a porter. Like, yeah. just can we just do a porter? Like nothing fancy about it, no adjuncts, just. Straight up beer, and uh, that's what we came out with. So we called it "Stay Classy." Um, little, little, uh, you know, pun on the Anchorman stuff, and right. then, and then obviously just like being classic style as far as that goes. So yeah, it did really well. Uh, I'm really happy with the way that it turned out. Um, I know the brewers were excited about just doing a porter. It's and, and, the, uh, and not just doing a porter, but like right. doing a porter without all the other gimmicks with it. Uh, just let the let the malt and the you know everything shine through. So when I th- I think that the, again you know going back to that original talk about pilsner and that that whole side of things, like I think people are craving just traditional beers. Like and not that the other stuff isn't selling well, but like you know because there's so much of it out there, people are wanting something else now, and what they want that is else is that stuff that for so long uh, was just the normal and what everybody had. You know, like it. Um, straight up classic, traditional, super delicious porter just hits the spot sometimes. I definitely agree with that. Um, that's exactly what we're talking about, you know, yeah. and, and that, and that I, I totally agree with, uh, just wanting beers that are just beers. Uh, cause you know, we've got all of our beers that come out throughout the year that have got, you know, X amount of fruits in them and adjuncts and all that stuff. Right. Like there's totally room to do all that and play. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like, let's give the consumers that don't want that something to drink and enjoy our brand and enjoy, enjoy things that we can, that we can make that are more just straightforward and more classic styles. Right. You when know, there's, there's room to play. There's room to take it easy and just like, just do beer. It's not that this beer wouldn't be delicious with some coffee in it or some chocolate or something. You know, it, it would, yeah. but there's something about just letting that, that malt shine. And um, yeah. That's that's right up my alley. I like that a lot. Appreciate I it. actually uh, I cleaned out my trunk today, and um, 
uh, finally carried in my ceramic mug from when you guys tapped stay classy and you did the, the mug night when um, it was sitting in a, in a box in my trunk since then. And so I finally carried it in today. I'm like, Oh man, this thing's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, why have I not carried it in yet? <laughs> the amount of um, uh, things like that, that just linger in my car for way too long is embarrassing, but <laughs> <laughs> um, this is great. Um, what types of, of things that you guys have made get you as a beer drinker excited? Yeah, so I'm always really excited about the saisons. So we do a lot of saisons during uh, spring and summer. Right. And saisons, my favorite style of beer, just farmhouse in general. So that stuff really gets me going. Do you um, like a, I like more of a funky yeast or tart some, or no? Like, do you like a little bit of tartness? Yeah, kind of all over the board. As long as it's not like uh, super acidic, melting your you know your your teeth out or whatever. Because um, I feel but, like saison is one of those styles that there is a very big wide definition of what that style means to a lot of different people. Yeah. I prefer just like a nice farmhouse Saison. That's just uh, not, not acidic, right. You know, um, something a little bit bright, you know, if you can do um, something very crisp, you know, highly carbonated, maybe a little bit of fruit in there, but those really get me going. So I'm always screaming like, let's, just do a saison, but like nobody's gonna buy it. <laughs> that's that's, that's what I keep hearing. Like, if I could, everybody wants to make them, but nobody nobody says that they they sell. So yeah, <laughs> we're probably gonna do it though, just because like you know we want to. But uh, we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully, everybody buys just it. Spread the word with local breweries. Enough enough people come in here to uh, to drink it from local breweries. That <laughs> yeah, it's just all the brewers' beer for sure. But no, I just like that stuff. Um, you know, I, I like farmhouse styles. I like to try all different kinds of beers, but um, what's you know, the nothing uh, too wild? I like consistency. What's the best <laughs> beer that you've had recently that was not one that was made here in this building or down in OTR? Um, so beer from a brewery uh, recently. So I had a Bodie the other day. Oh. Yeah, I so I had a Bodie. So Jared's our uh, director of operations here, and he went up to CBC uh, to yeah. check out the canning line because it's going to be very similar to our upgrade that's coming in here in uh, a couple months. And uh, got some fresh bro- <laughs> got some fresh Bodie, brought it back, and uh, I swear I'm just here to check was, out the canning line. What do you What do you got there? <laughs> yeah, they were they were actually uh, they were bottling or canning whatever uh, Bodie at that point. So same day, it's delicious. Uh, delicious as always. Um, I did have a warped wing, uh, picnic brunch or what is that called? Liquid picnic, liquid picnic. Yeah. Liquid picnic, um, up at their place. So it's good stuff. There's, uh, it's amazing to me how much great beer is out there. And I, you know, um, sometimes people, you know, ask me questions about beer outside of Cincinnati, even, even say Columbus, like there's so much beer there. That's great. And I, just, I don't have time to get to it. Like there's just so much good beer. Like I can't keep up with what's happening here in Cincinnati. And I feel some kind of obligation to try to. So like, I just, I don't get yeah, to try there that is, much. There is a ton of it. <laughs> uh, luckily I live just uh, about five minutes away from Grainworks. So right. uh, their beer is always fantastic. Love their beers. Uh, sunrise just go, go to every time. Um, so I'm really lucky with that. Right. And I've got 16 lots, which is really close to me too. So I'm always drinking on, uh, some of their stuff, you know, when we when we go out, uh, which is great. And then Third Eye yeah. is all, all really kind of my my three right there that are pretty close. And March 1st. Yeah. I'd say yeah. there's four in common. 
those are my five that are like close to me that we kind of go to because right. we don't travel um, any further than that, you know, as far as like going to like craft breweries and right. stuff like that around Cincinnati, just because those five give enough, uh, you know, great beers to like just try them and <laughs> a little bit of everything like all their spots. <laughs> and, you know, it got plenty of friends at all, uh, all those places to see. So it's, right. it's a nice little, nice little hub. Actually, we've got there in the suburbs. So. Well, that's, what's so crazy to me is like, you can, most of the suburbs around town, like most places, wherever you, you, you drop a pin in Cincinnati, like you've got like this really great selection of, you know, four or five places that are within, you know, five miles or so of your house that like, you've got everything you need. Like you don't have yeah, to, now, if you want to venture out of that, obviously you can. Uh, I think everybody should, you know, get out there, you know, once, once a month or something, go somewhere you haven't been before, but, um, you don't have to. And that's, that's a weird thing now. <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, every now and then, uh, you know, my buddy likes to, uh, you know, get a hold of me and like try to do like a Dayton run or a Cincinnati yeah. run, like an East, East run or a South run in Cincinnati and stuff like that. And just like try to like, try to hit like five or whatever. And, and yeah, there's, and try there's to do places. that, but it's like, there's like so many of so them like, to go to. It's just hard to, it's hard to get them all accomplished. You, you know, don't want to go back to the same ones you've been to after you're like traveling out there or whatever. Like, so you might as well just sit. Sons of, toil. Sons of Toil out in Mount Oreb. Been there. In the middle of Fantastic. nowhere. Yeah. You have to make a, 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 a conscious effort to go there, but it's amazing. You know, I think um, Great Crescent out in Aurora, Indiana, yep. kind of the same thing. Like you're, unless Dan's you're out there. Yeah. Unless you're gambling and you are like, yeah, I'm done with this. I need to go grab a beer somewhere. Like it, yeah. it's hard to make that trip unless it's a conscious effort to go do that. And man, like every time I do, I'm like, this is. This is insane that it's so good considering how far away from this, this thing it is. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, it is, a, it is a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. I, I went to a cousin's wedding out in Mount Orb and, and, and went to sons of toil. And then me and my buddy, like you said, gambling, we, we yeah. went to uh, great Crescent maybe like a year ago and drank there for a little bit before we went gambling. Yeah, so, so good. So yeah, good. it's great. You can just get off of any exit and drive 20 miles and just, show up at a brewery is pretty pretty decent yeah. so so we're we're very lucky i don't know yep i assume that that's becoming fairly normal with cities the size of cincinnati but um i don't know that it's like that everywhere yet that you have that kind of selection um wherever you go but uh, it's a, yeah. Yeah. good problem good problem we are we're we are very in a, lucky we're in a good spot yes. uh, is there anything as we wrap up that you want people to know about tasks that you think that they don't already know. Huh? That is a, I'm not sure. I think that just Taft's is, is a great brand, you know? So I've been, uh, been with Taft's for about a year now. Uh, and I've learned more about Taft's obviously now than I've, you know, the last year that I knew for the first five years or whatever that they were open. I always knew that the beers were really good. Um, you know, when my brother comes in town, he loves going to Taft's down to Ale House and stuff right. like that. So we go there like once or twice a year, always did. Uh, but I'd say that uh, getting involved here and like being here for the past year, it's a uh, it's very, it's very good spot. Uh, the ownership is absolutely fantastic. Uh, super caring, like very all about their employees, all about their business and the growth um, organically and taking care of folks and uh, creating something interesting. And um the handful of people that have been here at Taft's for as long as they have been, uh, you know, a handful of people have been here five, you know, five or more years are just uh, 
highly invested, extremely talented brewers and uh, right. coming up with a ton of flavors. And I would say that we're just getting started. Like we've got definitely a new breath of fresh air um, with the whole impact side and stuff like that and being very creative and very unique and innovative and have uh, opportunity to grow and do different you know, beverages and different flavors and all that stuff. So uh, I would say that we are definitely, um, Taft's is a place where innovation happens for sure. And right. um, it's going to be, you know, definitely looking forward to the future of beverages that we've got to produce um, flavors and experience that we can offer to other people. So um, I think Taft's is, um, I think if people didn't know it, Taft's is actually very, very awesome. Um, and, and typically a smaller uh, brewery, I would say, on the grand scheme of like Cincinnati breweries that have been doing really well. Sure. Um, but making extremely good beer and good beverages and just excited for the future. Yeah. So it, it's, it's hard to go wrong in the summer sitting by the pool drinking a gavel banger. It's still, <laughs> it'll, uh, it'll start your day the right way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to sit down with me. And uh, if you guys, I, I always say, if you haven't been here, make sure you come. Everybody's been to Taft's at this point, right? Like, I this is not uh, this is not crazy. You know, go to Taft's, go to one of the Taft's locations, go go down to OTR and and have dinner at the Ale House. If you haven't done that yet, it, it's, it's crazy to to think that there are people that haven't done that yet. Um, if you haven't been to uh, to the Brewporium here in Spring Grove Village. Um, it's right off of the highway. It's, uh, it's really easy to get to. And the pizza, like I said, is, I, it, I think it's still my favorite pizza. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it's still my favorite. It's amazing. And so just get down here, have some food, have some beer. Um, where this craft beer world goes, I don't know where it's going to be, but I do know that places like Taft's are going to always be riding that wave and innovating alongside it. So it's good to have them here in town. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> <laughs>